Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Anything Goes podcast with us, your hosts, Eli and Marlo. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on our social media links in the description to stay up to date with Anything Goes. So today, no pre-show, because we feel this is a very urgent matter. So we're going to get straight into what needs to be said. Um, we originally had another episode planned out, but that'll maybe be next week or the week after because what's happening is more pressing and we want to be a force of reliable information throughout all of this. We want to first get into what's happening, you know, the big news today that's reaching all the news cycles. Um, and that is that the U.S. Supreme Court officially reversed Roe v. Wade on Friday, which is today, declaring that the constitutional right to abortion upheld for nearly a half century no longer exists. Writing for uh, the court majority, Justice Samuel Alito said that the 1973 Roe ruling and repeated subsequent high court decisions reaffirming Roe must be overruled because they were egregiously wrong. The arguments exceptionally weak and so damaging that they amount to an abuse of judicial authority. The decision, most of which was leaked in early May, means that the abortion rights will be rolled back in nearly half of the states immediately, with more restrictions likely to follow. For all practical purposes, abortion will not be available in large swaths of the country. The decision may well mean, too, that the court itself, as well as the abortion question, will become a focal point in the upcoming fall elections and in the fall and thereafter. Joining the Alito opinion were Justice Clarence Thomas, appointed by the first President Bush, and the three Trump appointees, Justices Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Chief Justice Roberts, appointed by President George W. Bush, concurred in the judgment only and would have limited the decision to upholding the Mississippi law at issue in the case, which banned abortions after 15 weeks. Dissenting were Justices Stephen Breyer, appointed by President Clinton, and Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan, uh, appointed by President Obama. Uh, With sorrow for this court, but more, the many millions of American women who have today lost a fundamental constitution protection, we dissent, they wrote. And uh, what I just wrote, um, what I just wrote comes from what I just read, not what I just wrote. (laughs) Uh, the article by Nina Tottenberg and Sarah McCammon uh, on NPR uh, called The Supreme Court Overturns uh, Roe v. Wade Ending the Right to Abortion Upheld for Decades. Um, So that's essentially uh, an evaluation of what's happening today, you know, giving allusion to um, some of the consequences of the ruling. Um... And so before we get into, you know, some resources and uh, takes on what's happening, um, Marlon is going to tell us a little bit about what Roe v. Wade actually is, um, like the case and the details about the case, um, and why it is so important for reproductive rights. Uh, Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court where Norma McCorvey known as Jane Roe, legally became pregnant in 1969 with her third baby. She wanted an abortion, but she was living in Texas, and an abortion was illegal in Texas unless it was absolutely necessary to save the mother's life. 
Jane Roe's attorney filed a suit against her local district attorney, Henry Wade. They proclaimed Texas abortion Texas's abortions laws were unconstitutional and three judge panels of the US District Court for the Northeast for the Northern District of Texas ruled in her favor. On January twenty second, nineteen seventy three, the Supreme Court issues a seven to two decision ruling that the fourteenth amendment provides a fundamental right to privacy. Debates were still to be held yet about the timetables of abortion in terms of how far along a pregnancy should be allowed in abortion and about the balance between protecting fetal life and maternal health. And now that now that we know what's going on with uh, Roe v. Wade, we're going to get into disseminating some information um, about the situation. Um, and then after that, we'll get into some resources. So uh, here we go. Marlon's going to present uh, the first little bit of information. Okay, so we pulled this from Now This Her um, on Instagram. 13 states have trigger laws on their books, which are laws that were written to completely ban or severely curtail abortions and which were designed to take effect, i.e. trigger immediately once Roe had overturned. And those 13 states are Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, North Dakota, South Dakota, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Texas. Um, so if you live in any of those 13 states, um, I believe you have 30 days before those trigger laws take effect. Um, so that means you have 30 days to research the abortion laws in your area, um, if that's something that is of concern to you. Um, and that way you can familiarize yourself with the resources that are available to you, um, some of which we'll be able to link you to uh, in this episode of the podcast in this next little uh, segment uh, once we're done disseminating some more information. Um, now, pulling from uh, Impact on Instagram, um, they have posted a map of the United States that's color-coded um, to give an idea of uh, where abortion is likely to remain legal and where is likely to ban um, on top of the 13 states that are considered trigger states. Um, and so the states in which uh, it's, and this is going to be important because um, somebody that I follow very closely and trust <laughs> a lot um, on social media uh, posted an opinion about how it's important to uh, direct a lot of funds towards states that are expected to receive an influx of people seeking uh, legal abortions. Um, and so this is why it's important to really know the depths of which states um, are likely to remain legal and which are likely to get banned. Um, so Washington, Oregon, Nevada, California, Colorado, New Mexico, um, Alaska, um, Minnesota, <laughs> Uh, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Delaware, uh, Maryland, and D.C. are likely to remain legal abortion uh, states and areas. Um, the states that are likely to ban are Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Um and the states that haven't been mentioned yet are um, undetermined. Uh, um, this is from 
movement for black lives on instagram um it says limiting limiting or eliminating abortion access makes our communities um i.e the black and indigenous communities uh, more vulnerable to criminalization surveillance and harm at the hands of the state every time we chip away at legal access to abortion we create an opportunity for the expansion for the carceral state the criminal legal system has always been biased against black people we have faced unfair targeting sentences sentencing and punishment at the hands of the law this ruling will create more opportunities to put more of our people into the abusive prison system through increased surveillance and criminalization and our vision for black lives calls for full access to comprehensive sexual and reproductive health care and the elimination of discriminatory barriers to health care for all people and then this comes from at jana unplugged on twitter um it says it bears repeating that many states banning abortions have large populations of native people who are already systemically excluded from quality health care and economic equity so a big reason uh why this is so crucial for everyone to pay attention to and not just people who can give birth um or who might want access to abortion um is because the supreme court's decision does not only affect the precedent set for abortion but also all those others um impacted by the 14th amendment or protected by the 14th amendment i should say um and justice clarence thomas in his concurring dobbs opinion um about the roe v wade decision (laughs) said that in future cases we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents including griswold lawrence and obergfell and that is a terrifying idea um and i'm gonna read why that is um Griswold versus Connecticut was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court um, where it was ruled that the Constitution protects the liberty of married couples to buy and use contraceptives without government restriction. So um, if you want to get married and you don't want and you want access to family planning, um, this might affect you. Lawrence versus Texas. Uh, was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that sanctions of criminal punishment for those who commit sodomy are unconstitutional. Um, So if you have gay sex, this might affect you. And Oberfell versus Hodges was a U.S. Supreme Court case um, in which the Supreme Court ruled that the fundamental right to marry is guaranteed to same-sex couples by both the Due Process Clause and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. So if you identify as gay by any spectrum and you want to get married, this might affect you. Um, All of those court cases affect me. (laughs) and um you know i'm not doing anything to anyone i'm just trying to live my life and be happy with my partner and have a family like literally everyone else on the planet that wants to do that as well um and suffice it to say that i would be incredibly disappointed if not 
devastated, brokenhearted, downtrodden, heartrending. Um, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the depth of pain it would describe or it would cause me to to digest the fact that I'm going to be raising a child in a country that does not value their bodily autonomy whatsoever. That is a really intensely scary thought. And this is something that we all need to be paying attention to and something that we all can be doing our part to fight against. Um, Because even if you're not wanting to be out on the streets in direct confrontation um, with legislators or police forces or protesting, you know, even if you don't want to be on the front lines, there's something in there's something worth doing that we all have access to do. Um, And I think having these these conversations um, to begin with is a really important thing. Being informed about what is happening in your country is incredibly important and it's crucial to the liberation of those who are affected by unjust legislation you know absolutely yeah um and honestly like i um i have like my mother and i have my sisters and a lot of female friends um or people who just have uteruses um friends and um it's very shitty to hear that a lot of their rights are being taken away because um it's their right to choose obviously um it's uh it's shitty and i as a man want to do my part you know i want to be one of those men who listen and um fight for women um or fight for reproductive rights for everyone. So I think it's really good that we're having this conversation. Um, even though I feel like my opinion don't matter that much, but I want to be at least like, you know, spreading awareness, talking about it, not afraid to have these conversations, I guess. And on that note, uh, we do have some resources to share. Um, so first of all, this is really, uh, crucial for uh, particularly for the people who are living in states where trigger laws are already in effect um plan org is where you can go to access a safe at-home abortion um plan c provides up-to-date information on how people in the u.s are accessing at-home uh, abortion pill options online um and so there's an option there for you to find abortion pills near you um or gain access to them online Um, I also want to share, uh, that, um, the resources that I have are particularly geared towards, um, Illinois. I haven't seen too much in Kansas City yet. Um, when that comes up, I'll make sure to include, uh, in the description of this episode, um, any links that are, uh, local to Kansas City. But uh, for now, what I really have is focused on Illinois and uh, Chicago, especially because of uh, the fact that that's where the bulk of my social network is still from. Um, And I feel that that's a a really big uh, source of untapped um, social power that 
uh, we can tap into um, because of the fact that our network is so big there. Um, that being said, uh, Planned Parenthood Illinois Action, uh, they have an Instagram and there's a link tree in their bio. Um, so I would go ahead and check them out. Um, they offer information and resources on uh, Planned Parenthood services um, that you can access. Uh, so not just abortion specifically, but also reproductive care in general. Um, there's also the Chicago Abortion Fund. They also have an Instagram. Um, their bio says, Freedom, Justice, Autonomy, We Fund Abortion and Build Power in Illinois and in the Midwest. They have a helpline, um, and their number is 312-663-0338. Um, and they're open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, so go ahead and check them out as well. Um, so in addition to that, uh, Vote Save America and Crooked Media put together a list of abortion reproductive health resources. Um, so there are abortion finders. You can go to abortionfinder.org, um, or I need an A.com. Um, in terms of accessing financial assistance, um, obviously it varies by fund and they may cover costs of procedure, travel and travel associated expenses or both. Um, but you can go to abortionfunds.org slash need hyphen abortion. For free legal advice, you can go to uh, R-E-P-R-O-L-E-G-A-L-H-E-L-P-L-I-N-E dot org. Or you can call the Repro Legal Health Legal Helpline at 844-868-2812. Cannot read numbers for the life of me. If you need access to medication abortions, um, you can look at plancpills.org, like we mentioned earlier. And for free medical advice, you can call or text the Miscarriage and Abortion Hotline at 833-246-2632. Something I did want to share, because I think knowledge is powerful and books contain an abundance of knowledge. is some book recommendations um, that are relevant to today's news um, from an account on Instagram that I want to, I want them to remain anonymous, but um, know that they are a credible source in that they uh, have a degree as a librarian. Um, They have taught uh, English and literature to many different grades of students. so just know that they're a credible resource that I look up to a lot. Um, but the first is Jane Against the World. And um, this take says, Alito was not wrong, necessarily. The decision was kind of wonky. The case probably wasn't the best case. Read this to learn more about how much less dogmatic and more ethical conservative justices were in 1973. One of them spent a summer at the Mayo Institute to learn about abortion procedures and unwanted pregnancies for women. He did not consult the Bible to decide what's best for millions of Americans, many of whom aren't Christian, and he decided safe, legal abortion was best. Also, R.I.P. Karen Blumenthal, uh, the author of this book. Um, The next recommendation is Life's Work, A Moral Argument for Choice by Dr. Willie Parker. Um, This perspective is from that of a Christian abortion provider in the South. It's been several years since this person read it, so they're not sure it holds up in every way. Uh, 
they learned a lot about the different procedures and to be honest making abortion less accessible is simply unconscious unconscionable and shows an extreme fundamental misunderstanding of science uh, we've got two more recommendations uh, there's girls like us by randy pink this will break your heart but also blow your mind about four teens who are pregnant before roe essential reading now unfortunately and uh, the last is My Body, My Choice, The Fight for Abortion Rights by Robin Stevenson. This book is not perfect uh, and is sadly outdated now that Roe is obsolete, but it's by a queer Canadian author who has been a target of a lot of online abuse. So support her and learn some new things. Uh, click on the bookshop link above to order this and the previous books mentioned from Semicolon Shy. Um, go to bookshop bookshop.org for that. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to, um, study up a little bit if you're a reader like me. Um, I think reading about social topics, uh, especially when they're this close to the heart, um, is a really meaningful way to engage with topics and, um, partake in, uh, more critical discussions about, uh, the future of your country, um. And I know that that is something that is certainly interesting to me as a future parent. Um, so I'm definitely going to be checking out these books as well. Um, so remembering the people that live in trigger states, um, we're not going to leave you guys hanging. Um, so we're going to tell you where to donate um, because these are places that they're going to have an influx of abortions. Um for Arkansas, Arkansas Abortion Support Network, uh, Idaho Northwest Abortion Access Fund, Kentucky, Kentucky Health Justice Network, Louisiana, New Orleans Abortion Fund, or the Goldstein Fund, and then Mississippi, Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, Missouri, Missouri Abortion Fund, North Carolina, North Carolina Gen or Justice Through Empowerment Network, or North Dakota, North Dakota Women in Need Abortion Access Fund, Oklahoma Roe Fund, South Dakota The Gen Fund as well, South Dakota Access for Every Women, Tennessee Abortion Care for Tennessee, or Choices Patient Assistance Fund, or Mountain Access Brigade, and then Texas with Fund Texas Choice, West Fund, Texas Equal Access Fund, Stigma Relief Fund, Clinic Access Support Network, Lilith Fund, Support Your Sister, The Bridge Collective, Jane Due Process. And then Utah, the Utah Abortion Fund, Wyoming, Chelsea's Fund. So these are the places to donate in the 13 trigger states um, to help out those in need. So the first take that we have um, is from Andrew Lawrence on Twitter, and it says, Watching the Supreme Court of the U.S. destroy rights in a flurry of 6-3 decisions, reminding myself that Republicans have lost the popular vote in every president of the U.S. election except one since 1988. <laughs> everything, everything that we've mentioned so far is it's a band-aid on a gaping wound. Um, it's treating symptoms and not the cause. Um, and the cause is the justice system and the way that it is set up. And the fact that Trump appointees uh, 
um, are dominating Supreme Court decisions now and setting us back decades, you know? Like, I don't know what to make of that. It's terrifying. We have another source on Instagram uh, that says, quote, but it's only half of the states. Are you that pea-brained? <laughs> Banning abortion anywhere is dangerous. It won't be long until they have banned abortion on a national level. You cannot make abortions illegal, only safe ones. The amount of women, especially poor and women of color, who will die in this process is terrifying. Not everyone can afford a plane ticket or a car ride to an abortion-safe state. If they come for contraception, if they come for hello, if they come for contraception, like some far right politicians have said that that's their ultimate goal, we're completely fucked. The separation of church and state is non-existent in this country. Not everyone in the United States is a white Christian. Literally, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, Keith Boykin on Twitter says. So, so as I understand, the Supreme Court. Uh, the government can arrest and jail you without Miranda rights, execute you even if your lawyer screws up, force you to have a baby, and use tax dollars to support religion, but it can't protect your right to vote or keep you safe from guns. Not even a month and a half out from the Uvalde shooting, and we're going to have a Supreme Court decision overruling access to reproductive care but we're not going to protect students who are already alive. <laughs> we're not going to get rid of these inanimate objects that are causing mass deaths. But we're going to force millions of lives to be born against their will, against their parents' will. Does not make sense. It's not very pro-life. No, it's not. It says, this is from Mohammed Safa on Twitter. When the penalty for aborting after rape is more severe than the penalty for rape, that's when you know it's a war on women. This is from Aaron Ryan, and it says, Damn girl, is that a concealed handgun in your waistband, or are you just being forced by the state to carry an unpregnancy to term? Yep. Tracks. Cory Bush says on Twitter, Abortion care is health care. It was so before this. And it will remain so after this. We don't care about a far-right extremist Supreme Court that is in a crisis of legitimacy, says. Your racist, sexist, classist ruling won't stop us from accessing the care we need. And um, with that, it might be beneficial to mention seven things that actually do reduce abortions so that we can focus on the direction that we need to be moving in when we're having these conversations. Um, and this is coming from the Good 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 Co. on Instagram. Um, seven things that actually reduce abortions that have nothing to do with banning them. The first is investing in comprehensive sex education. Comprehensive sex ed includes evidence-based information about gender, sexuality, and reproduction. A 2011 study published in the National Library of Medicine found that states that primarily teach abstinence-only sex education have the highest rates of both teen pregnancy and teen birth. Sex ed is only legally mandated in 22 states, and of these, 12 mandate teaching about contraception, and only 7 require that it be medically accurate. No the wow. second is improving access to contraception. In 2011, nearly half of all pregnancies in the U.S. were unintended, which is significantly higher than in other developed countries, of course. 
Of those unwanted pregnancies, nearly half ended in abortion. To prevent these unintended pregnancies, folks need better, more affordable access to contraceptive care. The third is requiring federal paid family leave. In 2014, around 75% of abortion patients' income was below the federal poverty line, 15730 for a family of two, or were low income, 100 to 199% of the federal poverty level, according to the Guttmuncher uh, Institute. One of the most common reasons given for having an abortion is the inability to afford another child. Three, offering universal health care. According to Forbes, the U.S. is the most expensive nation in the world to give birth. With insurance, the average medical bill for a vaginal delivery can range from 4500 to 11200 and 5100 to 15000 for a C-section. Without insurance or with other complications, it can be in higher, even higher. Offering universal health care makes maternity and birth much more accessible, safe, and more desirable. In Norway, parents get a full year of paid parental leave following the birth of a child, which is also free. Not only is this helpful for decreasing abortion, but it benefits maternal mortality as a whole. 5. Offering affordable or free child care options. For parents facing financial strain, affordable or free child health care is necessary to facilitate a safe and healthy pregnancy and early childhood. Child allowances, like the expanded child tax credit in the U.S., are shown to support children and families, boost the economy, as well as reduce abortions. 6. Prioritizing racial equity in healthcare. Concern for personal and fetal health is one of the most common reasons someone might seek an abortion, according to the Guttmancher Institute. Black Americans have the highest infant mortality rate of any racial or ethnic group, and black mothers are at a higher risk for both mental and physical health conditions. Structural racism upholds these outcomes, as racial inequality in health and social services often leads to poorer quality care. And lastly, number seven, ensuring access to safe and affordable housing. The federal government has long used 30% of income as a threshold for affordable rent, but new data from the National Low Income Housing Coalition found that nearly half of American workers couldn't afford one-bedroom rentals. When families don't have access to affordable housing, they become vulnerable to a variety of other negative impacts. For kids, poor health, poor performance in school, increased risk of depression, and more. For adults, less ability to afford nutritious food, higher rates of debt, higher risk of homelessness, and more. All of these things correlate with the experiences of those who choose to terminate a pregnancy. So hopefully you've all gained a little knowledge about what's happening in this country right now. Hopefully you've also been able to take away some valuable resources. Um, We wish you the best. Thank you for joining us, Eli and Marlo, for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on our social media links in the description to stay up to date with anything goes. And follow us on our social media links in the description to stay up to date with anything goes. Sources and resources mentioned throughout the episode will be linked in the description as well. Stay tuned and stay safe.